0: Hi and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better.
1: And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pie. Welcome to episode 43. Today we are talking about a single trail. Yes. The wilman Billia Trail, which is the
0: newest trail. I'm going to say it's the newest trail we have in WA. Yeah, um, and it was much heralded over the summer. Yes. As a world-class walking experience. Yeah,
1: So located just outside of Coley in Wellington National Park, which is a park that we both enjoy and it has a lot of potential. For sure. Yep, definitely. And is also going to be the focus for, I think it's a $10 million trail development network. So combining mountain biking and hiking. Mm. And the bits that we're going to be talking about, the Wilman Billia, will eventually link up um, and do a loop from Collie all the way around into the park and then back to Collie.
0: Yeah. So how many days? It's like a three or four day hike, isn't it? I think
1: they advertise it as a four
0: day hike.
1: Okay. Um, but easily, I think based on the distances, you could do it in three. Yep. Um, but we'll have to wait until the the final bit of the trail is released and we can see where it goes. Yeah. So as you said, it it got launched over the summer to much fanfare. Um, I think DBCA described this as world class. And we were keen to go out and see exactly what was out there because, you know, it's not every day you get a new hiking trail and this one is of substantial length, being Mm. 19 to 20 kilometres.
0: Yeah. Can you think of the last time we had something like that built within Easy Drive of the Perth metropolitan area?
1: I, I would
0: say Eagle View, Which was in the late 90s. The late 90s. So, yeah, we have a long time between substantial trails. Yeah,
1: perhaps even Numbat might um, be a little bit younger than that, but I'm not entirely sure when that was created. But that, again, is private land. So a government-funded trail of substantial length in WA, I think this would have to be the first one in going on 20 years. Yeah. Which is really, really sad when you think about it. Um, WA has some of the greatest landscapes you'll get in Australia and the fact that they're a bit underdeveloped is a bit sad.
0: Yeah but I mean I guess I'm hoping that some of this 10 million dollars will go some way to giving us more trail development in the state.
1: Yeah so Collie's kind of like the blueprint that we're looking at at the moment that maybe other towns will say oh hey we might want some trails Um, and I know a lot of them are doing strategy documents at the moment whether they get funding to put that into place is another thing
0: mm. and I think it's it's in a way this is there's sort of the writings on the wall in that Collie being a coal town and coal being an industry that's w- whether we like it or not it's going to eventually be gone mm. that they've they've looked at how can this town transition to something else and it's good that they're that this level of you know forward planning is going into it
1: Mm. Uh, But one thing we should mention with this is a very special circumstance, whereas Wellington Dam is too saline to be drinking water. Mm. So that opens up a raft of possibilities for this entire valley that if this was in Perth, no way would the Water Corp let anyone near it. Yes, definitely (laughs) So to get a trail inland with hills and have water is very unique to this area So I'm happy that they're taking full advantage of it Mm -hmm. But to expect the Perth Hills, say for example, to have this is very, very, very unlikely
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point
1: Yeah Okay, so I guess we'll start at the start. Mm. Um, planning for this, we kind of set a date and then figured it out closer to the day. Alyssa was meant to join us, but she had a cold, which actually turned out to be not too bad in the end, because one logistical thing we didn't think of is the car swap. Yes. And the fact that I have a manual car.
0: Yeah, so the idea was we were going to start on the opposite ends and then swap cars Swap keys. Swap, swap <laughs> keys, and then swap you know swap our cars. You know one car would be the other end, but we didn't really think about the fact that Mark has a manual car and I can't drive a manual legally, <laughs> yeah. so it would have been a bit of a problem. Yeah, so we retook the plan
1: and dropped your car off at the kiosk uh, near Wellington Dam and drove out to the start. Which to start, I'm sorry, but if you're going to design a trail. This is horrendous what they've done. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's just off Coalfields Highway, and like we found the turn off very easy, but it's not marked. But it's not marked. You kind of there's a gate there, which I'm not sure if they will close. Um, if they do, you could get in quite serious trouble. Mm.
0: No information about when gates close. Yeah.
1: So we drove through the gates. It's a very short drive once you're off the highway. Found the trail information board very easily. That was. You know, quite quite easy to find once we're there. But it then says you are here and you have to basically cross a storm drain, <laughs> which luckily was dry when we did it, to get to the start of the trail.
0: Yeah, and it's not clear... You know, I think the way that it should be done is to walk up onto the highway and then walk along the road. Mm. But there's no indication that that's the way to go.
1: Yeah, and we went we went to go do that and it just went to a dead end of, it was like soap bush or something, and we couldn't mm. see a way up onto the highway. So we eventually just crossed the storm drain and had good fun looking in there. But it was early winter after not a lot of rain, so I'd imagine springtime that area is going to be flooded. Yep. So you'll basically have to backtrack the way you drove in and walk along the highway.
0: Yeah, very, not not an auspicious start, I'll say. No,
1: it did not put me in a great mindset <laughs> for how good this trail was going to be. And then even as you're staring at the trail entrance from the highway, it's literally just a no motorbikes sign.
0: Yeah, there's no indication that this is the the wheelman billier.
1: Yeah, which to me, being near Collie, that's just going to tell motorbike riders that, oh, hey, there's a trail here. Maybe yep. we should explore
0: it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's it's a weird start, but at least things picked up from there.
1: Oh, yeah, massively. So we actually, there's a building, I think it's probably a watercourt building nearby, and we cross the, the ditch drain thing and arrive there and backtrack to the start. So we knew what was ahead, but it is very, very nice, straight off the highway.
0: Yeah, and now I think people who listen to this pod know how I feel about Jarrah Forest, but I was I was saying like to Mark, like, well, wow, this is really nice. Yeah. You know, like very lush, very beautiful-looking Jarrah Forest. Um, not what I expected in a lot of ways.
1: No, and even as you drive along Coalfields Highway to Collie... I wouldn't have expected it to be this good because all you see is like this row of jarrah um, on the the Wellington National Park side. And it is like, it's, it looks quite nice, but then to actually get into the thick of it, it's bracken ferns and moss and like a really mature undergrowth that has that wet kind of almost carry like feel to it.
0: Yeah, but you've got
1: jarrah forests everywhere.
0: Yeah. And the Jarrah, while, you know, I always complain about the fact that you can see char marks. Yes, there was a little bit of blackened, but it was old black. You know, it, it had recovered quite a lot from a fire that would have been a long time ago. Um, and just looked really nice, you know. like it, it didn't have any of the repugnant qualities that I find off-putting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as we said, we walked past the the watercourt building, which they actually aren't terribly bad buildings for public service amenities but yeah like that kind of rammed earth feel to them it almost felt like the bill
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is the campsite this is the hut (laughs) yeah
1: straight off the highway that actually would not be very pleasant to stay no Um, but from there you're on vehicle tracks for the first couple of kilometers yeah which isn't too bad because they're wide and it's mature forest so again it feels like carry forest where sometimes vehicle tracks is the best method to view these kind of forests
0: and it's not two lane roads they're quite narrow yeah Um, and they've got these massive solid gates as well to keep the 4 drives off yeah
1: and it's kind of it's almost like the old railway formations where you've got a bank and you know it's there's stuff to see as well because you're walking alongside what maybe would be the dam if it was really really, really wet? yep, um, so you've got yeah, you can have all the uh, the trees that have been fallen down and the stumps have been left there, and you can see to the other side, which is where all the black cockatoos were. I was really annoyed at that that we didn't get to, <laughs> yeah. to experience them firsthand, but it's nice to know that they're still out there.
0: And we saw
1: Typical Collie, uh, first burnt out. It wasn't really burnt out, it was just an abandoned car on the
0: other side. Yeah, of course. You, you need to have those. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> but yeah, this track, really enjoyable and really twisty as well. So it never felt like you're on a long vehicle track.
0: Yeah. And the fact that you, you know, there were bits where it was more open to the left so you could see the, the dam, times where it was a denser so you had that that nice sort of feeling of being within the forest. So, you know, it's a good level of experience and very enjoyable.
1: Mm. Yeah, great start. And leading towards the campsite, which I think is about three Ks in, three, three and a half Ks in. And as you said, there's that big gate to stop cars going in. So that's not going to be a worry. Yeah. And you see the campsite marker and you're like, you perked up a little bit. You're like, ooh, what's this? And then you got to like the toilet block and, that's quite stunning for a, a campsite, especially coming off like a, a bib or haikia trail kind of experience. Yeah,
0: it's, you know, the toilet block is amazing. It's like two toilets and it's um, very well constructed. It's, you know, I kind of I kind of laughed at the fact that Trails WA put that as one of their four feature photos. <laughs> but I also kind of understand because the facility is really amazing. Um, and then it actually leads to the the actual campsite itself.
1: Yeah, so they've put... I mean, the budget for this entire trail was, I think, just over $300,000. And you can see where they've put the money. Because mm. they obviously expect people to use this quite a lot. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, if I was a hiker, I necessarily wouldn't want to stay at Potter's Gorge. So to have this as your campsite destination, if you're doing a loop trail, I think is a very, very good um, experience. Because it's it's set up on a little bit of a hill, not a very big hill. You're on the water's edge. You've got forest all around, really mature forest. And I think it would probably be better staying in the tent sites, actually.
0: The tent sites were amazing because like the, there's these steps going up and then they lead to all these places where they've got the tent sites and it, and it's just perfectly framed there's a bit where the track goes alongside a fallen tree that's covered in moss and it's not just a fallen it's huge yeah, it's, we'll yeah sure, I'm underselling it <laughs> yeah
1: 30 or 40 meters long yeah probably about as thick as you could hug maybe yeah, thicker thicker I think yeah
0: it's but the fact that they actually made it so that you know it, it, they've used what's there to make it Mm. fit in with the campsite.
1: Yeah, it, like for a brand new campsite, it did not feel brand new. It yeah. felt like it'd been lived in and the forest had been there for, I mean, it has been there for hundreds of years, but uh, you could go there, you know, 30 years ago and it would have been exactly the same. Yeah,
0: it didn't look like, for example, when you recently did the and some of those campsites where they've clearly just driven a bulldozer in and went, yep, that's a tent site.
1: Yeah, the new rammed earth um, shelters on the Bibb don't have that homely feel just yet. Yeah. I think they've used their nouse with this one. Yeah. Um but yeah, then it's not a true Billman child style, style shelter where you've got um like a sleeping deck that you can stay at. The shelter there is undercover shelter but it is basically you're on the ground and there's four benches. Yep. Which they said are
0: sleeping platforms, but unless you're five foot tall, you're not gonna have a comfortable sleep. Oh no. no. Um, but you know it's got great views of the the dam you can it's got steps down so you can go down to the water and i sort of i've favorably compared it to echo point on the overland track on the lake on the shores of lake saint Clair. and that's probably slightly overstating it but it's really good and it's better than any of the bibbleman campsites that are near collie like on either side of collie i reckon
1: yeah, I was surprised because we were both down on the water's edge taking photos and like exclaiming how good this is and how we'd love to stay here. And then you made the Echo Point reference. I was like, wow, this must really be good. <laughs> Donovan's having a great time on this one.
0: Yeah, really having a good time.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's, what, only six months old. And, one, and there's no logbook either. I, just, I wonder how many people have stayed there.
0: Yeah, we saw some boot prints that made it look like people had been there, but mm. whether people have stayed there, don't know.
1: Yeah, I know I definitely, I followed someone on Instagram and they'd definitely done, I think they'd done it from the highway and then hooked up with the Billman Spur that goes past Arcadia and Lyle's Mill. So I know someone who's definitely stayed there. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think we should encourage more people, especially if you've got young kids as well and you just want something different than a Potter's Gorge or a honeymoon pool is you park at the highway and it's three and a half k's in stay there and
0: then walk back. Yeah, it's highly manageable from that end, I think. Yeah. Mm.
1: And then leaving the campsite, more just fantastic forest as you wind kind of along the, the dam. Yeah. And you kind of get that feeling where you're going away from civilization and kind of into almost like the depths of like a really deep forest, lakey system that you might get in like, I don't know, Scandinavia or something. Yeah. Even Canada.
0: But with eucalypts. eucalypts, (laughs) yeah. yeah. And I remember we were saying, like, you know, you said it to me. You said, you know, I can't, other than the start bit, which was really annoying, like not knowing how to get to the start of the track, you said, I can't fault this track.
1: No, you can't, because it's well signed. Um, They've made the choice of putting the markers on metal poles rather than attaching them to trees, which it kind of lessens the feeling of being away from it all. But again, it's it's very easy to navigate. Yeah. And just... The, it was the quality forest I was expecting, having done the Jabbitch Trail and the
0: Seeker Trail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jabbitch is an outstanding trail.
1: Just like, if I was... If people were to ask me, I'm looking for really good quality Jarrah, I would send them here and maybe Dwelling Up as well. But Dwelling Up was affected by the 2015 natural fires, so a lot of that's still recovering. Yeah. Whereas this... Like having been before, I was like, yeah, this is really, really good quality. Yep. Um, So (laughs) you're kind of winding round, And then we came to an open bit where we could wander down again and right onto the water's edge. So there's not really official side trips you can go on, but it's so close sometimes that you can just head down towards the water and get these really cool views. And we noticed a hill on the other side had a bit of red on it. Which was kind of should have been the first warning sign for us, <laughs> yeah, about what was to come.
0: But we just thought it looked nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was very picturesque, very striking as a uh, a scene, and especially because the day we went, it was the it was, it was meant to top us up over our average for June for rainfall. Yeah,
0: the forecast I think was ten to thirty-five mils, and suddenly that night was quite intense Um, so we were
1: kind of arming and ahhing whether to do it and we decided in the end but I mean it was really warm and I think we even got a sprinkle until maybe 10 or 11 k's in yep so at this point we were quite dry and enjoying it and it was really moody cloud as well yep and then we we did come across that one giant fallen log that was really really mossy Mm. and really green and had like the orange mushrooms everywhere and I think I... You left me at that stage. I was like, I'm just going to take a few photos
0: here. (laughs) Yeah, I think I did.
1: And I I was just there for ages. And that's one thing I love about this first section is the variety of mosses and ferns and just different types of undergrowth plants. Whereas in WA, a lot of the time, you kind of get the same thing depending on what's happened previously to it. Um, So I really hope that this area stays as it is, at least the first bit. Um, But we'll see. And then we hit a spot that (laughs) we weren't expecting and we were kind of joking at the start when we came across it. So I think it was like a, a little road.
0: Yeah, it was like a road crossing and it just changed. It went from
1: green to black and red and orange very quickly.
0: Uh, And I think underline black because it was very black. Yeah.
1: So I've contacted DVCA about this and I'm waiting to hear back, but for what we understand, they've built this new trail and then immediately done a prescribed burn. Yep. Which would have been fine because we were joking at the start You know, they knew we were coming, ha, ha, ha. If it had just been for a kilometre or two, maybe we could have accepted it. But this went on for five or six kilometres.
0: Yeah. Of decidedly not world-class walking.
1: Yeah. So this is what really griped both of us, is that they described this trail as world-class. And based on what we'd seen, we were in agreement. We're like, this is a fantastic walk. If it's like this for the rest of it, would be... More than happy to agree that, yes, this is world class, but then they've gone and burnt basically a quarter of it, yeah, and it's
0: it's really bad, you know, like the contrast from the start of it, where everything was nice and lush to just this horribly blackened area um you know i I complain about Jarrah Forest and burnt Jarrah but this was like some of the worst i've ever had to walk through you know like it was really horrible and not it didn't even have like you know we've talked about this when we did dale road to brookton highway yeah which was right after a massive bushfire and there's a certain stark beauty when it's really terribly burnt yeah but this just had that really ugly prescribed burn kind of look about it
1: yeah because at the start I was half-heartedly joking that maybe they'd done this correctly because you could still see green at the canopy. That Maybe they've done a cool burn here. Mm. But then as we went on, it was very, very clear that this was just a mass burning and maybe they'd got lucky that they hadn't burnt the canopy Mm. because it was just so heavy-handed. And the fact that almost every log had been burnt out completely or was so charred that it would take quite a while for anything to either live in it or grow on it, It just seemed very, very unnecessary what they'd done. And again, like it's just, it hits hard that you've created this trail and then you've gone and burnt it as if there's such a disconnect between the trails department and the prescribed burns department.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: That they just didn't think about it. They just wanted to get their quota up for the year. And that's what this really stank of.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, when you promote something as world-class, I think that needs to be a truthful statement. And what we saw at the start was certainly world-class. You know, I would say that I would give it at the minimum a four-star rating out of five, maybe even higher. And this was just terrible. And you can't... You know, I think that there's an attitude in WA that if a campsite is outstanding, then therefore that's world-class and that the walking doesn't need to be good. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's not true. I think that the walking and the campsite need to be good. And even I'd accept... A less good campsite if the walking was better you know for me the walking's what I'm out there for not the camping hmm. so it was really upsetting to see that something that you know obviously people put effort into you know I think it's a it's a well thought out trail for the most part and then to see it so horribly burnt was a slap in the face in a lot of ways
1: yeah and for me this had come off the back of doing Northcliffe to Walpole where I was expecting like a really, really nice like top five Mount Chance campsite and they'd burnt horribly all around it for no apparent reason other than they thought it would protect the area. And then the next day, it was a diversion they'd done last year where they basically sent people 60 kilometres off trail so they could burn the size of a small European country. (laughs) And every single comment in the logbook is, why are you doing this? It's so far away from civilization. there's no need. And I feel like this is the same case. Mm. Yes, there's a recreation area at Potter's Gorge and Wellington Dam. Coley really isn't terribly close, although there is a lot of forest in between. Mm. But there's a dam right there, and you've got water bombers and water helicopters. Like, if a fire gets out of control there a lot easier to get under control than if it was in the middle of nowhere, not near a water source.
0: And I'm pretty sure the other side of the dam, which is closer to town doesn't have a walk trail through it. So if you're going to burn maybe that side's the side to do it on? Exactly,
1: because that's, as we're walking through this really burnt section, we noticed the other side was all green and nice and was just like, why? Like, if you wanted to get your quota up go do that. Yep. Because at least that was striking to look at from a distance. I mean, it was striking to look at as it is now. But it was just... Uh, it was so terribly frustrating after the first kilometre.
0: Yeah, and it was like five... It was over 5Ks of burnt. Yeah.
1: It was just walk, 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 and... Yeah, terrible. And the, the thing is, for this to become world-class again, you're talking minimum 10 years of recovery. Because it'll now do the epicormic regrowth sprouting. It'll look weird for the next few years. Then maybe the soap bush will come up. That'll get thick (laughs) for at least three to five years. Yep. And then maybe that'll die down and you'll get some more mature
0: undergrowth. And you're saying that as someone who... You're the keeper of the Murray campsite. Yeah. So you know exactly how this, this cycle goes through.
1: Yeah, really nice... Jarrah Forest in a wet area near a water source, it's going to be soap bush galore through there. And it'll grow quick. And, mm. I mean, they're going to have a tough time, especially if it's not part of the Billman Track where you have vol- maintenance volunteers going through. To try and maintain that and get that under control, you might as well lose the track in some places. Yeah. Unless someone's out there every two to three months. So. And
0: it won't look world-class. no
1: it'll be and if it's a wet day you're going to get soaked because that soap bush will be right <laughs> in your your clothing and no matter what you're wearing you'll get wet so yep. uh, it's just it, it's a shame that they've done it
0: yeah and the question i would have is how long is the cycle for this and then the other sub question will be is it ever going to be possible to walk this from start to finish without a section that's been recently burnt
1: yeah so think what you're referring to there is when are they going to burn that first five kilometers yeah because if they do that then this trail is completely ruined because as we'll talk about later they've also done some burning at the end which is just it's madness like what they're doing yeah like why even build the trail if you're then going to ruin it straight away yeah so i mean we walked through this for quite a while and i think we even stopped off i think at one point where we had lunch i didn't say it out loud i was literally like i have to get off this burnt trail i've had enough and Mm. we wandered down to the water's edge and i was like should we just have lunch here because it was about 10 kilometers in so we had something on the stumps and actually found a couple of horseshoes which was interesting to i'd be Maybe from the farm across the lake or the, the dam, but I'm um, not quite sure how they got there. Yeah. But it was just and we could see ahead and we're just like, Well, hang on, is that still burnt there? And it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it did eventually return. Yeah. I think there's a photo you have
0: of me <laughs> going, Shh, don't say anything. Yeah.
1: I was like, Maybe it's gonna get better, you're like Shh don't <laughs> You'll jinx it. <laughs> Um, and it, once you were back into it, I was just like, it's such a relief of, like, yes, this is what it should be like. It was back into ferns and, like, mossy trees that have fallen down. And, like, I, was, I really wonder how long it had been since that had been burnt. Yeah. Because... Like to get moss all over some of these logs. And when they were burning, they've burnt out completely like these thick, thick logs. They're just like ash piles on the ground, which mm. is habitat for animals and insects and moss and everything else. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's like the sanitation of the forest. It's just going to be jarrah, soap bush, and then maybe if they don't burn it again, some diversity there.
0: Yeah. But, you know, the question is when the next burn through this area, yeah. you know, so. But
1: anyway, we were really down by this stage. But then once we entered the the forest again, I think we kind of perked up. Yeah. Um, and it did actually start to, to rain a little bit. Yeah. Kind of preparing us for what was to come. But then there was like dips and dives and there was some dollarite that we came across, which was really cool.
0: Yeah yeah there, um, there was some a little bit near the campsite as well but you know bits of dollar right on the track which is nice
1: yeah and kind of climbing up and down through these like thickish bits of forest um, a few bridges and streams which would be quite nice um, mm. in spring when there's a bit more water i not think any of them were flowing while I we think, were there
0: i think as we got to the end because it started raining a lot yeah. we started seeing water but to begin with they were mostly dry yeah
1: and that was really cool. And then we came across the pipeline, which is a, a feature of Wellington National Park. Yeah. And climbed over the pipeline, and lo and behold, what
0: was there? A sign saying, no entry. <laughs> yeah. Trail <laughs> closed. Yeah.
1: Which, like, why Why on one end and not the other? Yeah.
0: So, like, you know, we, we walked through what was potentially dangerous yeah. area. Um and we saw trees falling over.
1: Yeah, lots of widow makers yep. over. And they had danger tape occasionally, like where they'd burnt out trees completely and the roots um had created massive holes in the trail and but yeah, no visible sign on the other end where most people are gonna start from yep. to say trail closed. It wasn't it was a very easy sign to see, so we wouldn't have missed it accidentally.
0: Yeah. And this is like a problem I know from um, the fire, they did some prescribed burns near Ducanelli and they didn't think about actually where walkers were coming from. So they, when we were there, they put a sign that basically as you go to Ducanelli, it pointed back towards south mm. and that was the only way to go even though what they really meant was oh, if you're heading north, then we want you to go right along the fire line. Yeah. And I think the same thing happened here. They didn't think about oh, where walk walkers going to come from? they just said, oh, people are coming from the dam. We'll put a sign here. Not thinking that people come from the other side as well.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I actually checked yesterday because I was thinking maybe there was a spot where you could check on the National Park website to see that the trail was closed, but there's nowhere on the Wellington National Park site to tell you of trail closures. Right. And I, I I can't recall anywhere on the DVCA website where there might be a, a section for we're doing prescribed burns here. These trails are closed like there is on the Billman track where you get the diversion notices.
0: They do have a notices page. Um, they often have that for Fitzgerald River. Mm. But yeah, you'd think that they would have advertised that or it would be on Trails WA And I've been to the website, did not see anything about a closure.
1: And I'm pretty sure they were still advertising it as one of their favourite trails the week before. That's
0: absolutely right. Yeah, like days before we did this walk, they were talking about how the the Wilman Billia was one of their favourite trails. Yeah.
1: So, again, DBC dropped the ball for an entirely different reason. (laughs) Um, So, over the pipeline, you enter the farm section, um, which... I don't know, it's, it would have been nice had it have been a kilometre or two, but what we got was like four kilometres of yep. walking along a fence line. Yeah. And again, I think this comes down to they put more money into the campsite rather than the actual trail, because you look at the map and they could have easily diverted you through the forest at certain yeah. points. Whereas it's more expedient to keep you on that 4 by 4 track next to this farm, which I am no idea why that exists there. It's probably some ancient Yeah, land someone agreement. had it for, for yeah. years
0: and years in their family. First of all, I think any trail that's compromised like this is not world-class, but I'd also be more forgiving if we hadn't had all that burnt. Mm. Because basically it was like we had one quarter that was outstanding, one quarter that was just depressingly terrible and then one quarter that was extremely compromised by having to walk around the property. So, you know, that that didn't put us in a good headspace, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when, you, as you say, there's so many opportunities that you could just take a trail through the forest and you wouldn't know that you're on this boundary that's really yeah. obvious.
1: But, I mean, in terms of farms, it is one of the only ones in WA next to a national park that is not completely cleared. And yeah, that's true. That I was quite happy about. Like, you look over the fence, and it is it's quite a pretty fence because it's just timber posts with the wire, but then you've got all the moss growing off the timber, and it looks quite cool. Mm. But on the other side of that, you've got ferns, you've got like grey jarrah, not burnt jarrah, and just like really long patches of nice forest. So, I commend whoever owns that property that they've done a good job in trying to preserve the feel of the national park, but again, that fence and the road just reminds you where you are a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, and it, just the fact it's so long as well, mm. and you're doing this, like, left turn, left turn, left turn, left turn around Yeah, it. I think at one stage we're like, how many left turns have we done Have <laughs> we looped back to where we were? Yeah. We we lost track of where, no, like, north yeah. was. Yeah, <laughs> well,
1: because it started raining at this point, so we both had all our, like heavy rain gear on just kind of like head down occasionally taking a photo and yeah it was a bit confusing at one stage and even looking back at the the map I'm still like but hang on we like left 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 and somehow we're still going south it was just <laughs> it was confusing <laughs> I mean there's trail markers to guide you and it's kind of you just along that fence line so it's really hard to get lost it was just funny when we're out there yep And then there's that one patch of uh, flowers, which aren't native, I don't believe, like purpley-pink flowers in grass, and then someone funny has decided to turn the no-entry sign upside down, which I thought. But Australian bogans do have a a sense of humour. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, they're they're funny people. (laughs) Um, But there's actually, this is probably the steepest part of the trail. Yeah, there's there's
0: a descent that's, like, insanely steep.
1: Yeah, which on a single track, I don't think would actually be very bad, but because it's that compact clay that you're never quite sure when it's going to be slippery and when it's not. Yep. So I think both you told me to, like, wander off down... Get me in your photos, and I was like, Oh, I hope I don't slip at this stage.
0: <laughs> well, that would have made a good photo, yeah. Though, it would so. have. <laughs> I would have
1: subbed in for Alyssa's funny moments, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, it wasn't too bad, but I remember talking to one guy who'd done it a week before, and he said, Yeah, those would have been slippery in the rain, so imagine even in the dry, they were slippery. Mm. But I mean, we not struggled through the section, but we, we made it through and were happy when it ended, yeah. But then you're still on full drive tracks for that next little section.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Which they're not too bad. Like it's it's nice forest through there.
0: Yeah, it's not quite as nice as the start, but it's nowhere near as bad as the burnt bits.
1: Yeah, and a bit of an added bonus because it rained so heavily that, like, the middle of the full drive track pretty much turned into a stream. Yeah, so caught our attention and we were busy snapping photos and yep. trying to keep our lens dry through there. And I'm actually kudos to the trail designer because they must have known this but at you turn off the four-wheel drive track onto a single trail Mm. and then as you then cross that same four-wheel drive track a bit further on to the right there was that massive yeah yeah so we would have had to walk straight through that so if you look at the photos thing on on my side at least which will be out next week um Yeah, you've got Donovan, like, poking his walking stick into it.
0: I wanted to see the depth because I always think about the the ones that are near Ducanelli and Alyssa's improbably deep (laughs) (laughs) I still maintain you guys fake that. (laughs) Because she's, like, waist
1: deep in this, like, tiny puddle. It wasn't tiny. Yeah, I mean, it would have been deep, but it just, like, circumference-wise didn't seem that big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a bit of a joke there. And then from then on, I think it's single trail for a while. Yeah. Through what I imagine or I think has not recently been burnt, but maybe within the last 10 years, maybe five to 10 years, it's been burnt. Yeah. Because you come across like a bit of soap bush. But even then before that, there's some really nice grass trees. I remember the grass trees being fantastic yeah. in this area.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're a bit charred, but they, they're very big. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's quite impressive. I think that that was mentioned by why I visit Collie, and yeah. as advertised, it yeah. was very nice.
1: I think I tried to get one of you underneath to try and get scale. scale? <laughs> yeah, So it was at least taller than what you are. So, I'm not uh, very tall. so yeah. <laughs> But still, they, they take forever to grow. Yeah, that's true. And then we came across that really large fallen tree, um, and I remember that area being like a, just a, a wow kind of, stop in our tracks kind of moment. I mean you stopped because there was a, a fungi and mushroom thing growing off yeah, the tree. Yeah. Um to take a photo. I think I took a photo as well. But even further on from that I think the forest started to mist up a little bit.
0: Yeah, it was it was nice. I mean it, it again it had a lot of salt bush, but it wasn't hideous. Like I think it, it had had enough time to at least transition back to a more normal forest to mm. a degree. Um And, you know, I remember we were talking about it and I said, you know, like, yes, I can see a lot of blackened trees here, which is not my favorite. But I still would give this a pass at least, you know, like it was still enjoyable.
1: I think because these ones were thick and after like a bigish fire, you normally get a lot of really skinny, like whatever tree type is there coming up. Mm. from the fire releasing the seeds and then into the soil and everything. But this one was just... I remember it just being like big big trees that were burnt, spaced out, but still kind of had a bit of a canopy. Um, I remember further up the hill, there was like, not scrappier, but thinner forest. Mm. I think because we were coming down into a valley... It was misting up and couldn't tell it was rain. But then I think we eventually figured up. It was figured out. It was mist and fog and yeah, it, it was really cool. it was too
0: much for it to just be rain. Yeah, um, which is good because our lenses were pretty foggy, so oh, it kind, kind of, of blended <laughs> in with
1: the scenery. That was the story of the second half of the walk. Was trying to wipe our lenses and not have rain everywhere and not have them fog up and I remember I was trying to put it back in my rain jacket and I was like no don't not too close to the body because then that'll fog it up and, <laughs> Yeah. and then eventually my uh my lens cloth got too wet that it just like smudged oil everywhere you <laughs> have to wait like 20 seconds for it to clear Yep. so I apologize for the second or oh, probably the last quarter of my photos are a bit iffy yeah um, likewise but I mean that's the risk you take as a, a hiking blogger you get the conditions you're given that day yep um yeah And then we kind of, we came across that little bridge over the gully and then we joined up Tom Jones Road. I'm starting to wonder whether Tom Jones came out and did a concert at Potter's Gorge (laughs) to open it or something, because it is the road that leads to Potter's Gorge. Yeah. Would have been a very
0: nice event to go to. (laughs) Yeah. Powerful voice would have... Yes. Yeah, Rung out through the, the valley?
1: Yeah. So we're coming to the end, and this is the section I'd previously done because it joins up with the Seeker Trail. Mm. And I found out that they'd done a prescribed burn through here recently, and it wasn't as I
0: remember it. So you did it a year and a half before this? Yeah, so I
1: did it right? December 2017. And if you go back and you look at my Seeker Trail, you can see this bit coming towards Potter's Gorge was at the end of the hike and I just remember you couldn't see the pipeline like I was trying to get a clearing to be able to take a photo of it and you couldn't see it but whereas when we walked through there's basically no undergrowth and you could quite easily see it and it just Mm. lost that kind of isolated feel because you're very close to the road but you didn't feel that way when I first did it and this one you did because everything was blackened and regrowth and yeah. Uh, it just didn't feel as nice.
0: And I saw like in your photos for the Seeker Trail, there's just nice Heathlands underneath. Yeah. And we didn't see that.
1: No. Um and that's that's what I was expecting when I of this trail is really nice mature um Jarrah forest. And, I mean, what we got in the first five kilometres was amazing. Yeah. And this last section when I did it was a little bit different to that. It was more bank shears and yeah, like kind of mature, low um, undergrowth, um, less towards the ferny, lush kind of range and more just just nice. And, yeah, had looks like it had been there for a while. Um, and kind of by then we, it was still raining and we just didn't really want to. Like we wanted to get to the end, but at the same time, I knew what was coming, and if it was like this, I was just
0: like, "No,
1: nope, I'm done."
0: <laughs> yeah, I think i i I was pretty worn out of of the trail. Like, I got to the point where I was just like, "Let's just finish this," you know. Mm. Um, which is a sad thing because it started out so strongly. Yeah. And but this stage, and especially because you said what you said, and I know from doing the Jabich Trail how nice the area is when it's left. Yeah. to its own devices. So I was, yeah, I was ready to finish.
1: Yeah. I think we got to the turn off for Potter's Gorge. I was just like, I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll insert a sunny photo of what it looks like on the blog. I don't really care.
0: <laughs> yeah. I camped there probably two years ago and it was all right. You know, like, yeah. I enjoy the fine. area. Yeah. Um,
1: But I think having done the trail, like there's nothing new about that view of the dam. Yeah. Um, you get that all along that first... I know what ten kilometers, so I wasn't terribly fussed about going to see it, yeah, um, but I guess if you've got your car there or you wanna camp there, then it's a good little side trail to do, yeah. And then the last little bit, rising up the hill. I think the highlight of this section was either the old bilman track marker with the red woggle, yep, which indicated the Seeker Trail, or that little patch of granite up the top of the hill.
0: Yeah, those two things were nice. Yeah, um, yeah certainly seeing the old Bevelman red marker was cool because you don't see a lot of those in the wild very often. Mm um and the Seeker trail has since been reclaimed as a cycling walking dual use um, and the Bibbleman doesn't even go through wellington anymore Mm. uh, so except for the wellington spur (laughs) um but yeah it was it was cool to see and the granite outcrop was a nice feature Mm. especially after quite featureless burnt forest
1: yeah i mean i remember doing the Seeker trail and like the finish to it leading towards the kiosk was like you're following the contours around the hill. I just remember it being a lot nicer. And then granted, when we went through on Saturday, it was um, rainy and we were both wet and it was late afternoon. There wasn't great light, but it's still, I just it's had it in the back of my head what it looked like. And the fact that it'll take another five to 15 years for it to get back like that.
0: And the that- fact... And it'll probably be burnt before then. Yeah, and
1: just, like, it's so near the facilities. Like, why did they need to do that? It was just,
0: again, like, why? Why did they need to burn? Yeah, and I I think that that's... There needs to be, while I understand it for areas that are more sort of utilitarian, I think that this going forward is something that they need to really think about seriously if they want to push this... You know, quote unquote, world class angle is that if you, you know, if a trail can never be good in its entirety because it's always burnt, then you're not presenting a world class experience, really.
1: Mm. That's one thing I have about the bib it seems like they use the Billman as an an access point to burn. It does feel like that, doesn't it? A lot of the time you can look 40, 50 meters off trail and it's not burnt. And what kind of. Image does that send to international interstate visitors that this is what they're going to be um, walking on? And I think they kind of rely on a certain level of ig- ignorance from people saying, oh, well, fire is good for the Australian bush, it's natural and everything, but not if you're on five year cycles where it's constantly going to look like this.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we've done an episode on prescribed burns, and, mm. you know, I accept that there's a certain um, you know to be the devil's advocate there are times where it's necessary but I think that we need to look at how we do it with this when it when it interacts with tourism like the fact that there's there's always a diversion in the Bibbulmun track over the springtime. Mm. like there's you know one of the things I suggested was maybe we need to look at at having a rolling burn so that if people leave Perth at a certain time that you guarantee that they'll get all the way through and that you do the burns as they come through so yes if someone leaves at a different at a you know a month after that window mm. they they might have a diversion but the fact that you know last year we had people who had three or four diversions in peak hiking season mm. is unacceptable really and the fact that this new trail that it was was spruiked as world class is now charred a cinder Mm. is really a a very poor reflection of what the potential of the area is Mm.
1: yeah i mean i I should state my stance is not anti-prescribed burns i feel like there needs to be a certain level of them but i mean at the moment i think everyone apart from the really hardcore defenders of burning will agree that they are very heavy-handed in their approach I think it was last year that they were burning on three fronts around perth and basically coating the city in haze for days on end and then you've got that they've like pretty much every major bushfire um in the last but ever since the 2015 fires has been human related and a lot of them are from
0: murray wasn't no but that was the 2015 yeah sure yeah
1: um Yeah, it's either prescribed burns, Forest Products Commission doing burn-offs that they shouldn't be, farmers doing burns on their own property, or idiots just lighting fires in the middle of the bush. Like, it just seems like we don't really get that many natural bushfires anymore.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the point sort of becomes, well, if you're going to have the trail look so hideous anyway, then... What's the difference between that or waiting for the fire yeah. that comes through? And
1: there's a certain level of risk of either living out in the bush, having a bush property, putting your pine plantations in the middle of national parks in tiny, tiny pockets, which is one of the main reasons they do prescribe burns in
0: certain areas. Yeah, certainly Knox is, is yeah. clearly for plantation reasons. Yeah,
1: like I get that you need to burn to around certain areas to protect towns and you know, the edges of cities and whatnot. But just, I don't know, just the way they do it's not not fantastic and doesn't really get backed up by any science that I've seen.
0: Yeah. And I think that the biggest shame is that, you know, if you're going to invest $10 million in an area, but then you're not going to actually present it in its best way, it becomes, well, then what's the point? And that's a really sad thing because uh, we've talked about this, like, I probably get more angry about Northcliffe to Walpole because I see a lot of potential in it. And the fact that there's potential there that is being squandered makes me more upset. Mm. Um, And I feel the same way about this area, that I think that there's so much potential in Wellington National Park that for it to be presented in this way, where it's just burnt, is terrible. Yeah,
1: I think the big thing for me is... I actually enjoyed walking through the area around Mount Dale in 2015 because I could see what the bush was like after a natural fire and being like, oh, well, that's this will recover in X amount of years. I think if this had been a natural fire that went through, I would feel the same way, whereas, oh, well, these things happen. It was, you know, it caused naturally a lightning strike, whatever. Yeah it will recover that's just bad luck but the fact that they've deliberately gone through and done this is just yep. such a terrible waste of what could have been a very excellent trail yeah and that's what really hits home not that it's burnt just the way it was burnt
0: yeah and also i think you know on on that 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 the fire there near dale road was extremely hot mm. and I think that an extremely hot fire looks nicer <laughs> yeah. than than the cool burn, where you just destroy every, you, you know, you destroy the beauty of a place. And there's not that stark beauty that comes from a real destructive fire. Mm.
1: And I'll probably write about this. Cause I haven't actually written up um, the post yet. Like the photos look very striking, and some people may go, "Wow, that looks fantastic!" With the contrast between red and black and orange and everything but it's not like if you give me walking through that and walking through the first five kilometers every day of the week i'm going to be like i want to walk through that first five kilometers absolutely and that's what yeah. we could have had like i would have forgiven walking for too long on the the farm tracks and maybe forgiven burning near potter's gorge but the fact that they burnt for so long just just sticks with me for this trail and I mean, I haven't written it up as I've said, but it's going to be really, really hard to recommend to people to go out and do this other than walking in from the highway, staying at the campsite and walking back.
0: Yeah, that's exactly the same as me. Like, I would tell my friends, if you're going to do it, you know, park on the highway and go to the campsite, but don't go any further because it's not worth it. And that brings me to a point is,
1: how many people do you think, if we're not doing this podcast and not doing our posts on the website, would have either heard of this trail or plan to do it in the next year or two
0: well certainly the the push from trails wa and why I visit collie and i think it i think that the push is well-meaning and maybe they don't even know that this has happened mm. i don't know is you know it's certainly making it sound like it's a fantastic trail i was you know it's i was like world-class really yeah you know that, that's exciting um but then to the actual experience of it is not as good and you're right like there's there would be people who just see oh it's world class I must try this out Mm. and you know I I hate to tell someone don't go because Collie, you know needs this yeah Uh, but the 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 fact of the matter is that DBCA are not you know it's like one hand is is giving and then one hand taketh away Mm.
1: I mean, one thing that, that I come away with this again is, um, like, there's a three hundred odd thousand dollar budget for this. I think all of that has gone into the trail, and there's no marketing. There's no people come out. Let's just pretend that the burns didn't happen. Mm. Like you've spent all this money to try and attract people to the area, but apart from a few posts on Trails W A and Y visit Coley, like the the mass audience of the state that might be going out there don't know about this unless you've parked up at the kiosk and happen to see that trailhead sign there's no signs going in saying hey there's a trail here or a campsite if you want to walk here from here it's just i know it just seems like the marketing for dbca of these trails is very very lackluster and it relies on people getting the word of mouth out yeah and i don't think too many instagram influencers are going to be heading out to the new campsite, like they would a honeymoon pool or Potter's Gorge or anything. Yeah, so I just I'm, I'm baffled by, like I'm happy we have the trail, but I'm baffled as to how they then justify spending so much money on it if they're not going to market it at all.
0: Yeah, and and ruin the experience, and as then well. also ruin the experience. Yes. <laughs> um,
1: maybe that's why they're not marketing it at all because they knew they were. <laughs> yeah, <right>? may, maybe. <laughs> that might be right. Uh I don't know. I was I was really really excited for this trail and I was hoping it was going to be everything that they said and it's just so so sad what they've done to it.
0: Yeah. I mean I I think I was maybe a bit more skeptical than you but I had been I'd been really reeled in by that first 5k's. Yeah. You know like I I was like oh wow this is fantastic. I actually had I had messaged Alyssa to say this trail is fantastic. <laughs> and I'd entered a black spot and wasn't able to uh, message her. <laughs> and in the time when I wandered back into a, a black spot, I had deleted that message, taken yeah. a photo of you in this charred forest and sent that to <laughs> Alyssa instead. And yeah, yeah, that that's really disappointing. Yeah.
1: I mean unless it's not clear like we really 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 enjoyed that first five kilometers and were like extremely happy to be out there and walking it and looking forward to the rest of the trail and it's just such a low of hitting that prescribed burns area and i think we were still hopeful after a kilometer or two that maybe it'll end soon and you went over the horizon sometime you'd see green from, from the, the canopy yeah. ahead and it just is such an oasis of disappointment in the end <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, and the fact that it, it I mean as we were out there it was like, this is going to take 10 to 20 years to recover and will they burn it again and I don't know hopefully change comes within DBCA cause I know a lot of people within there do not agree with the way the prescribed burns units go about their job and I know they've recently just had a forum at UWA asking people, scientists, to present literature and um, yeah, anything to basically go forward a different way. Mm. So I'm hoping they really genuinely were interested in that and were looking at different ways of doing it.
0: And I, I hope that, you know, because I think in the FIRE podcast that we did, there was sort of a suggestion that maybe it's too expensive to do things like, you know, what what if it's too expensive to do, mm. to do it right? Yeah. Um, And I hope that, you know, I would rather they spend less on a trail and maybe spend a bit of money on doing it right and making the experience better.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I had to laugh because at Mount Chance and Wool Bales and I think maybe Long Point, they've erected these like propaganda posters Telling you that they've burnt around the shelter and this is for the 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 forest good and everything, but then they also mentioned that native animals do the same job, like quolls and quokkas and everything, do the job of a prescribed burn by turning over the soil and the leaf yep, litter and yep. everything. And I couldn't think, but like you've burnt them all to a crisp though, because you don't do your controlled burns in a very controlled way. Well, not controlled anymore. They're prescribed because they never control them. <laughs> And like the the science behind like having all these native marsupials around is that they do that job for them. Like they turn over x um, amount of soil per year, yet we continue to burn and burn and burn, and then these animals don't come back for a while. And I would actually love to see them. I know we're kind of turning this into a prescribed burns bitch session, but I'd love to see them spend the money instead of on burning on water bombers and like smarter ways of doing it. Cause I think if you're reactive to fire, sometimes it works a lot better. Like the bushfires around Southampton, like a couple more passes of the water bombers and that wouldn't have been what it was. Yeah. So I think something on that scale with a little bit more resourcing there could have been handled quite quickly and easily. Mm. I think with the size of WA, if you're trying to burn everywhere to try and keep everything at a certain level, you're never going to succeed. The area is just too big. Whereas I think um, reactive measures like water bombers and water helicopters and everything, even sprinkler systems like they've got in Tasmania.
0: Yeah, when they had the fire at Lake Rona, they yeah. put in a, a sprinklers as a as a line, and that that really seemed to have helped. Yeah, so like
1: um, measures like that just... Something smarter rather than, here's X amount of dollars if you burn X amount of hectares, which is pretty much the approach they do now.
0: Yeah. Anyway. We should get back to the trail that we were talking about. Yeah.
1: I mean, what's your main takeaway from having walked this trail?
0: So I would say the first bit was like four stars. The second bit was like half a star. The next bit was maybe two and a half stars and the last bit was maybe three stars you know if you add that up that's not really a great rating no <laughs> um and yeah i think uh, to me it was a trail that had a lot of potential i feel like if if they can do it right then it will be a good walk but for now i find it hard to recommend beyond the first five k's how about you
1: yeah i would say missed opportunity with this one um coming from a place like having visited the park before and expecting such high quality jarrah forest is just a disappointment um after that first five k's of hitting that and then knowing how long it's going to take to recover and then hitting potter's gorge and then finding out they'd burnt that as well like it just it's just such a waste. And mm. again, like, I'm going to find it really hard to recommend to people go and do this trail. Like, if you're going to head to Wellington Park to do a trail and then camp, do the Jabbich Trail.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Like, they've essentially not wasted 300 grand, but, like, they could have done so much better. And I think if they were to do a review, and I'm not trying to, like, I know there's a lot of people really anxious and looking forward to what we're gonna say about this, and I don't want to like deliberately stomp on them and say that like all this effort is now wasted, but like we have to like this is honest, we're not being hyperbolic or anything like that. This was our experience of when we went out there, and like it it wasn't fantastic,
0: yeah, and I think the worst thing is that it has the potential to be fantastic, yeah, and yet it didn't reach that because of circumstances. Yeah. Um, So
1: I guess with the release of this and our own written posts um, showing you the the visuals that you maybe can't picture in your own mind, you maybe understand where we're coming from. I mean, you may still decide that, yes, that's what I want to go and do and that's fair enough. Like, it's a new trail. I think people probably have this on their list if they don't already. Mm. And you know why not if you want to go out and walk it then go for it it's an amazing campsite i would actually like to stay at that campsite
0: yeah me too me too i'd probably head back for that i think yeah yep so (laughs) that's the wheelman Billier trail in wellington national park so thank you everyone for listening sorry for a bit of a downer there on that one If you enjoy this episode or any of the other episodes, um, please give us a rating on any of the platforms you can find us on, which is now iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Twitcher, and... Stitcher. (laughs) Stitcher, I'm so sorry. Stitcher, what's the other one?
1: Um, Tune in spotify you mentioned uh, yes that's yeah there's it. heaps there's heaps yeah. of them
0: um and if you had any comments or questions or suggestions for future episodes you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com thank you for listening and we'll be back in two weeks